Well, aren't you glad that it's never awkward talking about money, especially in church? Seriously, though, Jesus talked a lot about money. And the reason he did was because he knew it was so important for us to have the right perspective. And with everything that we're facing right now, uh, I think it's more important than ever that we make sure we get Jesus' perspective on money. So for the next two weeks, we're going to dive into a couple of parables that Jesus told. And um, here's the good news. I'm not going to ask you for your bank account information or your mother's maiden name. So you don't have to worry about that. But what I am going to ask you to do is just to be open to what God might be saying to you these next couple of weeks. Well, We're going to jump right into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, starting in verse 1, where Jesus tells a parable. And this parable is is very misunderstood, and it's quite controversial. So here's how it goes. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So in this parable, we have two main characters, a rich man and his wasteful manager. It says, the rich man called in the manager and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can't be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So here we have the manager is not only wasteful, but he's essentially about to get fired and we see that he's, he's pretty weak and he's pretty prideful. Not exactly your classic hero. So he says, I know what I'll, I'm going to do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him. Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. So he literally cut the bill in half. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager, Jesus says, because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So why this is so crazy is because Jesus makes the hero of the story this this dishonest manager. And it it causes so much tension for some pastors and scholars and and teachers that the people have gone to great lengths to try and explain how this um, manager is justified in his behavior. They say things like, well, he was never really given a chance to explain himself. He's basically finds out he's being let go. And and that's not fair from the master's perspective. So he, he was justified in his behavior. Uh, there's other explanations that say, well, you know, the, surely the master was, was inflating his prices. And all this manager was really doing was cutting the prices back to a reasonable level for the customers. And then still others say something like, well, you know, probably what the manager was doing was he was just taking out his commission. And 
All those are very interesting ideas, but just from a face value reading of the text, none of those really make sense. I mean, after all, when we look at verse eight, Jesus says, the master commended the dishonest manager. Jesus is saying he was dishonest. Now, what Jesus is not saying is he's not saying he's commending dishonesty. What he's commending about the manager is his shrewdness. It's his wisdom. It's being able to make great judgments when it really matters. And there's a couple of ways that this manager was really shrewd. He was really wise. The first one, if you notice, is that he didn't actually steal the master's money. He, he didn't take the bushels of weed or the gallons of olive oil for himself. And he, he didn't you know, put them into his name. So he's doing actually what he's technically authorized to do as an employee of the company. But then secondly, this is so brilliant, is he's actually creating goodwill with the customers, not only for himself, because he's going to need their friendship later, but he's actually creating goodwill for the owner of the company. And interestingly enough, it's going to be very hard for that owner to go back to the customers and, and switch the prices back, because that's going to that's gonna cause all sorts of problems later. So, so he's, he's created goodwill and he's shielded himself uh, from any sort of, of um, you know, penalties for wrongdoing. Really, really shrewd. So what the manager does here is he uses what's ultimately not his for what ultimately mattered to him. Do you see that? He used what ultimately wasn't his for what ultimately mattered. Now, Jesus goes on in verse 9, and he says, I tell you. Now, whenever Jesus says, I tell you, that's code for listen up, okay? And in verse 9, he's telling us the point of the parable. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, did Jesus just say that we should buy our friends? Use worldly wealth to gain friends? Is, is that what he's after here? You just should simply buy off your friends? Well, not exactly. What Jesus is saying, if you notice those words, when he says, so that when it's gone, not if, but when it's gone, ultimately our money is going to be gone. We can't take it with us. What he's saying here is that we need to use that money that ultimately is going to be gone to gain friends. He says it's, it's for eternal purposes. And the point here is Jesus is saying it's way more important to put your money toward the eternal things, things like relationships versus the things that are going to rust and rot and depreciate, the things that we cannot take with us anyway. And so what Jesus is after is that we, when it comes to our money, we are to use what's ultimately not ours for what ultimately matters. We're to use what ultimately is not ours for what ultimately matters. Now, you may be thinking, wait, what you're saying money is ultimately not ours? It's, it's not mine? What, what's up with that? Well, Jesus continues in verse 10. He says, 
Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy, now check this out, with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, when Jesus says with someone else's property, what he's trying to convey to us there is just like the manager who didn't actually own the bushels of wheat, he didn't own those gallons of olive oil. When it comes to our money, we ultimately don't own it either. You see, ultimately, the one who owns our money is the one who made everything, the one who made heaven and earth, the one who created us. It's God who owns our money. We are simply the managers of what God has given to us. Now, you may be thinking, man, that's all well and good, but man, I worked so hard for that money. And here's what I would say to you. Totally get it. Yes, you did work hard for that money. But who gave you the physical body to be able to work hard? Who gave you the brain to be able to think and and figure out how you were going to work and and how you were going to accumulate that money? Who gives you the energy day in and day out to be able to earn that money? Ultimately, what Jesus is reminding us here is that God owns it all, including our money. And we are just managers. So here's the question that I I really want you to wrestle with. How can I use what's ultimately not mine for what ultimately matters? When it comes to your money, this is the question to ask yourself. How do I use what's ultimately not mine for what ultimately matters? You know, It's such a crazy time right now that we're living in. I mean, there's so much uncertainty. There's, there's, there's all this anxiety and, and just straight up fear around this coronavirus pandemic. And it's, it's a really unsettling time. But what, what has just blown me away is through this time, basically, as soon as this all came upon us, you guys have been so incredibly inspiring in, in just how you've reached out. We have received countless emails and texts and phone calls from, from so many of you saying, hey, what can we do? What can we do as a church to help? What can I do? And you've been flooding us with all these different ideas and, and resources and ways that we can contribute, ways that we can help both as a church and as individuals during this time. It's because of you guys, it's because of your ideas and your generosity that we've been able to partner with Chick-fil-A, that we've been able to distribute sandwiches all over our community to those in need. It's because of you guys and your willingness that we've been able to help Arlington Food Assistance Center with their groceries because their donations have been so diminished during this season. It's because of you guys and your generosity that we have been able to write check after check after check to our different nonprofit partners to make sure that they have what they need to be able to bless those who are really hurting during this time. 
And, um, and finally, we're just so grateful for all of the different names and ideas that were suggested just this past Sunday, um, where we are doing this surprise blessing campaign to help those in need. And uh, I just want to share with you one story. So um, we, we actually heard about a family where uh, both the mom and the dad were, um, they, they were in the restaurant industry and they both lost their jobs as a result of this pandemic. Now they have three children, including a nine month old baby and things got pretty desperate pretty quickly for them. And they just started to reach out to people they knew, uh, basically just asking, does anybody have some formula? Does anybody have diapers? And um, we actually heard about this family through someone who goes to a different church. But what they knew about Grace Community Church is that we would help, regardless if they went to our church, regardless of kind of their background, we would just be willing to help them. And so, um, so Anna, who is our Director of Compassion and Justice Initiatives, grabbed a whole bunch of diapers and formula and all sorts of other supplies that, that this family needed, along with some grocery gift cards. And she just went and surprised them by showing up at the door of their apartment. And as she knocked on the door and, and the mother opened the door, um, she, uh, her name's Yenny. She opened the door and, and she saw Anna and she saw all this stuff. She was completely overwhelmed. And uh, Anna said that it was kind of an interesting moment because uh, Yenny is a Spanish speaker and, and Anna, though she's from Brazil, she doesn't speak Spanish. She speaks Portuguese. And Yenny, she speaks Spanish, but she doesn't speak English. And so there was this kind of this exchange, but uh, it was made more difficult because Yenny is just sobbing and sobbing. She's overwhelmed at the outpouring of love and support. And uh, she kept saying something through her tears that, that Anna really couldn't understand, but she kept repeating it and repeating it. And finally, Anna understood that what Yenny was saying in that moment was she was repeating the 121st Psalm which goes, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And, you know, it's pretty rare that we get to be the literal hands and feet of Jesus. There are these rare moments in this life where we get to be divine messengers of God's love. And that was one of those moments. And I just want to say thank you so much because your generosity allows us as a church to be generous, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in a time when people need those hands and feet the most. Jesus uh, shares one more thing, verse 13. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, most of us have heard that passage many times before, and we certainly know what it means to serve God. But, but what is Jesus really saying when he says you cannot serve money? You cannot serve God and money. What does it mean to serve money? I mean, we don't do that, do we? We don't serve money. Money serves us, doesn't it? Well, the way that we know that we're serving money is when money 
is telling us what to do instead of us telling money what to do. Now, you know this is happening um, when, when money starts talking to you. Now, I want to use a, a little money stress doll that I have to, to illustrate this point. Now, this may be the world's ugliest doll. No, no joke. But this is the scenario where money is telling us what to do. So uh, let's say that it's uh, coming up on my second wedding anniversary and, and I'm walking through the mall. And as I'm walking through the mall, I, I, I pass a jewelry store and I see a necklace that I just know that my wife would absolutely love. So as I, as I take a look at that necklace and as I go closer and I see the price tag on the necklace, all of a sudden I hear this voice. And this voice goes, oh, that necklace is beautiful, but we can't afford that, Derek. We, there's no way we can do that. And then the voice says to me, do you remember that last store we passed? The Yankee Candle Company? You remember that scented vanilla candle? She would love that. Why don't you get that for her? That is money telling us what to do. It's, it's those times when we get that unexpected raise or you know that, that tax refund that we weren't planning on. And all of a sudden in that moment, there's this little voice again. It's like, man, you've been working so hard. I mean, you, you deserve to treat yourself, don't you? How old is that car anyway? I mean, it's, it's time to upgrade. That is money telling us what to do when in reality, we should be the ones that are telling our money what to do and where to go. And I just want to tell you, if you are tired of your money telling you what to do, then I've got a great resource for you. It's called Financial Peace University. Now, Financial Peace University is a course that we're offering online at Grace. And um, it's basically the whole point of the course is to get control of your money and make sure that your money's not telling you what to do, but you are telling your money what to do. You can go to trygrace.org slash groups to sign up for this course. And you may be thinking, oh man, a finance course, that sounds awful, it sounds boring. If you've ever heard of Dave Ramsey, he's one of the most effective communicators out there. And the course is great. It's actually fun, it's inspiring, it's easy to understand, and it's super practical. And we have had hundreds of people at Grace who've gone through it and just literally changed their relationship with their money. So we don't have to worry about hearing this voice all the time. So again, trygrace.org slash groups. All right. So what I'd like to do is um, I'd like to show you a, a brief video. And in this video, it's about a, a one-year-old little boy named Bablu. And Bablu is celebrating his first birthday. And in this really cool little scene, uh, Bablu is being introduced to birthday cake. He's tasting it for the very first time. Now, what you need to understand about Bablu is that a year earlier, just days before he was going to be born into this world, his entire family was enslaved in a woodcutting facility in India. And um, fortunately for Bablu and his family, uh, international justice mission with the help of some, some local authorities came along and 
International Justice Mission is a huge partner of ours. So they came along and, um, and they were tipped off to this operation and they were able to free Bablu and his family from slavery. And so Bablu was able to be born into freedom. And now we get to see them a year later. Check this out. Isn't that awesome? You know, I hope that many, many years from now, I'm having a conversation with someone much younger than me. And they're asking me, what was it like to live in the year 2020? You know, before the whole world was a world of justice, you know, before, before this place was where everybody was free. Back in 2020, weren't there like 25 million people in slavery around the world? I mean, what was it like during that time? How are you guys dealing with that? What was it like to be a part of that? And as I answer that question as an old man, I want to make sure that I can say that I ultimately use what was not mine for what ultimately matters most. You know, when we look back on right now and everything that's going on with this coronavirus pandemic, I, I just really hope that we are all able to look back and as, as we think about this time, that we're able to say, you know what, we use what ultimately was not ours for what ultimately mattered most during this time. We were able to be the hands and feet of Jesus for those in need. I want to ask you a question as we close. What ultimately matters most to you? Think about that for a second. What ultimately matters most? And as you think about what matters most, Is your money aligned with what matters most to you? Did those two things come together? You know, in in our household, we we certainly, um, from time to time, hear this little voice of money telling us what to do. I don't think anyone is immune to hearing that voice. But many years ago, Becky and I made a strategic decision with our finances. We wanted to make sure that financially we were doing the things that matter most when it comes to who we are and what we value. And so we made this decision and and courses like Financial Peace University have have only reinforced and bolstered how important it is to do this. But but essentially what we decided to do is that we were going to order our financial priorities in this order. Give, save, live off the rest. So we decided right off the top, first thing that was going to happen when money came in was we decided on a percentage that we were going to give away. And we just set those things up to auto pay to just, you know, deduct right out. Then the second thing was we said, okay, we're going to set a percentage that we're going to save right off the top. And again, those things just automatically first of the month, they go right out. And then the remaining percentage of our income, we said, you know, we're just, we're going to live off the rest. And even if this little voice talks to us, we have already set the priorities of what matters most. So even if, even if that little voice of money gets us every now and then, it's okay because we know that those things, we've strategically prioritized them and we've set them up so that they are automatically happening. We don't even have to think about it anymore. So I want to ask you, what do you need to do today 
to be like that shrewd manager, right? He came up with a game plan. He, he made some decisions in a moment to, to make sure that what ultimately mattered most to him was happening. What do, we, what do you need to do to prioritize what matters most in your life? Now, maybe you're just in a situation right now where it's really desperate. Maybe it's like Yenny, uh, that, that young mom reciting Psalm 121. Uh, maybe for you right now, it, it would be impossible to think of, of doing anything financially. Totally, totally get that. So maybe for you right now, what, what you can do that lines up with what ultimately matters most has more to do with your time. Maybe it's just being a great friend to someone you know is, is hurting or scared in this time right now. But we can all do something. Let's be people who use what ultimately is not ours for what ultimately matters most. Let me pray for you. Uh, God, we, uh, we, we want our lives to matter. Lord, help us to remember what matters most and, and help us to strategically and shrewdly put plans in place to make sure that the way we're living out our time and our resources matches up with what matters most. In Christ's name, amen.